Yeah, this is Frank, and I'd like you to stop uh, telling lies about our president. Um, can you tell him there to stop lying? You know, it's it's getting very um, uh, very boring, very depressing. So just say the truth. That's all. What I want you to do is say the truth. Stop lying about our president. Okay. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us, everybody, for this 222nd episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, as every single time I am, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me, that lady who you love and know and cherish, like your big sister, like your mama, like your little sister, like your daughter, like your lover, my co-host, Brittany Page. I have no idea what's happening right now. What is happening right now? I don't know. I'm just, I'm giddy because we're going on vacation. We are. We're taking a much needed break. I'm just, uh, I'm I'm phoning it in. I feel like I'm phoning it in. (laughs) You're not going to phone it in. We're we're seconds into the show and I'm already deciding. Hashtag, phoning it in. Don't create a hashtag. (laughs) Don't create a hashtag. That hashtag stops right now. Well, listen. I, I want to get this out of the way now. The, this is Tuesday that we're yes. doing the show. Yes. We're doing it a day early because we're going to be on a plane. Yeah. Five miles in the goddamn sky at the time we'd be recording this episode normally. Listen, that is really important information because if CNN drops the P-tape tomorrow, then... <laughs> And, and we aren't talking about it. Everyone yeah. is going to wonder what the hell is going on. As Donald Trump would say, what the hell is going on? We, we, we have to do it until we find out what in the hell is going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So anyway, that, that, that'll explain if when this episode drops on Thursday morning, if all kinds of shit has exploded and we don't talk about it, it's because we didn't know about it. We did the show with the most up-to-date information that we have, huh. and that's what we did. But nothing will happen. It's fine. Yeah, right. Nothing ever happens at the Trump administration. <laughs> it's smooth sailing, Brittany Page. Yeah. <laughs> so we want to talk about the schedule, though, because we that's do, important. Yeah. So this week is normal. You're getting... Well, as normal as it can be, again. Yeah, you're getting... Smooth sailing, You're Brittany getting Page. this episode. You will not be getting an episode on Monday. That's right. Or Thursday. Of next week. That's right. The last week. We worked it, so we're only skipping two episodes. The last week of July. Yeah. No episodes. But what's going to happen is the first two weeks of August, each week will have hashtag third episode. Hashtag third episode. So we'll have three episodes the first week of August, three episodes the second week of August, and those will be normal episodes. And it'll be another time for us to promote hashtag third episode and try to you know get us to promote the show get new listeners but also you know promote um the fundraising effort to get us toward that third episode per week marker right which we are you know actually rapidly uh, uh, approaching we're getting closer and closer to it yeah so additionally 
I have heard from some people that they are bummed that there's no Patreon Google Hangout call for the month of July. That's right. Because we have two every month. And we're actually making those up in the month of August as well. So the first week of August, we're having them. In the last week of August, we're having them. Four Google Hangouts. If you are in the tier on Patreon that gets to be included in the Google Hangouts. And if you give a shit about that sort of thing. Yeah, then check your email, check your Patreon messages, because you should have a message from me. Yes. With the dates and the times. From Brittany Page. Yes. And that's always a good time. <laughs> it is. We get a little we get a little uh little drinks having on the on the evening call and then a lot of coffee mm-hmm. on the morning call. Exactly. Los Angeles time. Talk about the weather. Talking about the weather. Good times. All right. Well, let's get to an email before we move on with the program, Brittany Page. This is from Juan. Juan. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. First time emailing you guys. I'm a proud Patreon supporter yes. and wanted to get your input on this Facebook article that I was reading. It talked about Trump supporters maybe suffering from this thing called the Dunning-Kruger effect. I read a little bit about it, and it sounded interesting. First time I had heard about this, and since sometimes I cannot fathom how people can support a person like Trump, maybe this explains part of it. I struggle trying to see the future of the USA and how much damage this person and his cabinet is doing, yet people that support him don't seem to care. I came to this country some time ago because I wanted to live the American dream, and for the most part, I think I'm living it. I applied for my residency and then my citizenship and was so proud when I took that oath, and now every time I see Trump or any member of his cabinet or family speak, I wonder, how did we get to this point? Even when trying to reason with a Trump supporter, it's like talking to a wall. Okay, thanks for bringing some sanity to my lunch hour. It's when I listen to you guys, and both of you are the best part. Thank you very much, Juan. We appreciate that. And the the Patreon support. That's awesome. Listen, um, you're kind of hitting a chord with me because I deal with Trump supporters on a daily basis. I guess everybody does, but I deal with them in a little different way because... I deal with the troll, Trump supporters. Should we first discuss the Dunning-Kruger effect? Oh, yeah. Okay. Go, go ahead. I, I don't know how I would explain it. My way would be very uh, very Dunning-Kruger-esque. It would be like, uh, it's dumb people who were so dumb that they think they're smart. They, they think they have a fucking kung fu grip on knowledge when really they're the dumbest guy in the room. That's probably wrong. <laughs> No, that's a that's a good way of explaining it. <laughs> wow, that is that's how you treat somebody who no. exhibits Dunning Kruger. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, I would just be more specific with my terms. All right. So it's a cognitive bias. All right. And people who are said to be suffering from the Dunning Kruger effect are incompetent, but they're not able to recognize that they are incompetent. Yeah, and they even overestimate how competent they are in the thing that they're incompetent in. Yeah, it's we're, we're saying the same thing. Yeah. Just you're saying it with more intelligence. I've heard the the studies that they did is that they would gauge people's... After, after, after a class took a test, they would gauge people's assessment of how they did. And, and typically, the people who did the worst on the test estimated that they did the best. And the people who did the best on the test 
didn't estimate that they did as well. So the gap between how poorly the dumb guy did and how well he thought he did, there's a giant gap there. That's what I've heard about their research. It was with a class leaving a test. And I think they've done other studies too, but it was it was after people taking a test. You know what I mean? You're someone who doesn't exhibit Dunning-Kruger because every time you take a test that you fucking rock, you're convinced that you failed it. You're the opposite of Dunning-Kruger, Brittany Page. Well, yeah, that's one way to look at it. Like people who get constructive criticism, there's people who really dive deep into why they're receiving that Mm. and analyze the interactions that they had and what they've done and really try to figure out why that happens. And then there's people who, eh, you know, whatever. You're not that person. I know what I'm doing. You're not the ah, whatever person. Yeah. You're the antithesis of Dunning-Kruger. So, yeah, so that's what Dunning-Kruger is. And I think that really does. It does encapsulate a lot. I think it encapsulates goddamn Donald Trump. But also... His this new political class that he's introduced to the American landscape. And I say that not like you have to be a smart person to be involved in politics or understand politics or 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 be engaged at all. It just does take a thinker. You have to be able to put different pieces together. There's nuance in politics. And I've said for a long time on the show that nuance is not the friend of the lower thinker. Well, unfortunately, political identity is inherited somewhat. I would say, yeah. You tend to identify with the political party that your family identifies yeah, with yeah. when you were growing up. And I don't know... Just st- like religion. Yeah, I don't know the statistics on that, how often people switch, but I imagine it's not often. And or if it is, it's probably predicated on education. Yes. And the former is a problem, not changing, not evaluating, just sticking with what you were told. Yeah, because not everybody's parents can be right. No. So if you don't change because (laughs) my parents were right, why would I? I don't know. I'm doing that voice, but my parents were right. Why would I change? Yeah. Well, that's the same reason that the, the guy who follows Bernie Sanders doesn't change. Right. Because his parents, that's what they did. Well, you both can't have a fucking kung fu grip on the on the on the logic. Well, the world on also the understanding. The world also changes. Yes, absolutely. So positions on issues, it would make sense, are gonna change as you learn more information, as we figure things out, as we have a deeper understanding of these important issues, they they should change yeah. with evidence. Sure. What's what's that saying? When the facts change, I change my mind. That sounds logical. Is that a saying? Yes. That just seems like common sense, not a saying. It's uh <laughs> it's an economist. I think it's John Maynard Keynes. Yes. And I don't know if that's how you say it. I don't name. know if that's what he said. That is him though, yeah. But that's a quote I remember hearing it's the fact that they they color themselves as learned experts on the topic. You know what I mean? That's the problem. So it's like a person that tells you how much you they love Led Zeppelin, and then you ask them, oh, yeah, what's your favorite Led Zeppelin song? And they say, Stairway, Stairway to, to Heaven. heaven. <laughs> is that kind of what you... Is that what you mean? That is a, no better way to explain it than, than that. <laughs> so... 
So Juan, thank you for the call. We appreciate it very much. Thank you for your support on Patreon as well. That is absolutely much appreciated. It's not that Stairway to Heaven is a bad song. It's just the one everyone knows. It's you not. Know? The, it's, it's certainly not the best Led Zeppelin song. I want to hear someone say like you know Trampled Underfoot, which is still well known, but. Four Sticks would be my favorite. Or Thank You, right? I mean, there's just so many choices other than the one that is played every day on K-Earth 101. (laughs) I don't know if it's played on there, but... Oh. Probably not. They prefer Jimmy Buffett. Hashtag phoning it in, everybody. Good times. All right. Well, before we move on, I want to talk about this case out of Minnesota that is getting so much press right now. And it's about the outrage over the deadly police police shooting in the Minneapolis area of this woman who was getting ready to be married, called in a, a potential what she thought was a sexual assault going on behind her house. She went out to, to, to greet the cops and direct them where to go, and she was killed. Tonight, a Minnesota man is demanding to know why his fiance was shot and killed by police after her call to 911 for help. The death of Justine is a loss to everyone who knew her. She touched so many people with her loving and generous heart. Justine Damon was originally from Australia, a yoga and meditation teacher seen here recently talking about her spiritual journey. Um, I'm originally from Sydney, Australia, and we have a beautiful tradition there. She was getting married next month. But late Saturday night, she called police to report a possible assault in the alley behind her home. It was dark. Damon exited out of her house into this alleyway and then walked toward the street to meet the officers who were in their squad car responding to her 911 call. The Minneapolis Star Tribune reports Damon in pajamas approached the driver's side. According to the Tribune, the officer in the passenger seat then opened fire through the driver's side door. Shots fired. Can we get EMS code 3 Washburn and 51st Street? Yeah, one down. Damon's future stepson is outraged. My mom is dead because the police officer shot her for reasons I don't know. Both officers are on administrative leave. The police chief is calling for a transparent and independent investigation, saying, I understand why so many people have so many questions at this point. I am heartsick and deeply disturbed. I have a lot of questions about why the body cameras weren't on. The city rolled out body cams last year after calls for transparency following the fatal shooting of Philando Castile in nearby St. Anthony. That officer was acquitted in the shooting that was captured only on dash cam. But in this case, no body cams were rolling and the dash cam didn't capture the incident. Tonight, a father and son leaning on each other. We've lost the dearest of people and we're desperate for information. And Lindsay Davis joins us live from Minneapolis tonight. And Lindsay, many questioning why those body cameras were not activated. Certainly, that is a big question tonight. Why weren't those body cameras on? It's very clear in the Minneapolis Police Department policy that those cameras should be turned on prior to any search, any use of force, and any contact with a citizen. So there are very few details coming out about this. Yeah, they're being very tight-lipped. So one thing we do know is the shooter, who's a cop, was sh- sitting in the passenger seat and shot across his partner who was sitting in the driver's seat as the woman approached the driver's side window. Yeah, both these guys are in the car, and the passenger reach- reaches out, shoots through the driver window to kill her. 
and then details are slowly leaking out, right? They are reporting that prior to shooting, they heard a loud noise. Yeah. No witnesses. So whatever that means. No dash cam. Of course, setting it up to have this narrative of, you know, they were afraid for their life. Right, right. And something we haven't mentioned is that this is a white woman. That's right. She's a blonde, 40-year-old white woman, yoga and meditation instructor. And Richard Spencer tweeted about this. She is news ready. She is prime time ready because she's pretty and blonde and white. Richard Spencer tweeted about this. Of course he did. And said, wow, I suddenly care about police brutality or something to that effect. Fucking jerk off. And even though that is a overwhelmingly dickholish comment, I think he's speaking to something real that could be going on. Yeah. Where white people see this and maybe they'll start to actually pay attention to this police brutality case and ask questions. And maybe they'll start to realize that, hey, this is a problem that the body cams weren't on. Hey, this is a problem that things aren't adding up. Yeah, who's been telling you that? For how long have they been telling you that? Because it, but because it didn't hit home. It didn't it affect your neighborhood, your community. You didn't fucking pay attention. Sean King wrote an article in the New York Daily News about this, and he he really touched on a lot of stuff that's very important. He tied it to the opioid crisis. That now, all of a sudden, there's this aggressive federal intervention into drug addiction and overdosing because it's destroying communities across the country. But only because now it's white communities that are being destroyed. But for generations, drugs have been a scourge and drug addiction and overdoses have been a problem in black communities. But ah, that doesn't affect white people. Yeah. I actually haven't seen a lot of white people uh, asking what happened to this woman. So I don't know if that's to come or what. Yeah. I think it's also difficult because they have to go back on defending the police. And that's, that's hard right. to do. Yeah, because blue lives matter, Brittany Page. You have to undo everything that you've been saying this whole time. Well, I'm just, listen, I'm sick of hearing how, well, the cops have a tough job. It's very difficult. Listen, the system was set up for it to be difficult for the cops. The burden of proof is on the government. We are innocent until proven guilty. They have the hoops to jump through because they are the government. Our founders set it up that way. So I don't give them a pass. You took on the job. You weren't forced to be a police officer. You volunteered for the gig. You went through the interview process. You sought out the position. Knowing what the limitations were. What the challenges were. And if you get afraid because a blonde woman walks up to your car so you fucking kill her, you don't get to be a cop anymore. And as far as I'm concerned, you don't get to have your freedom anymore. But we'll see what happens. Because there's a long track record of cops getting away with murder in this country. A long and disgusting history of cops getting a pass for doing the unthinkable. We're clearly going to follow the story and see where it leads. 
We'd love to hear what you guys think. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. DJ. DJ. And Joshua. Joshua. And I have to say one thing to DJ and Joshua. If Stairway to Heaven is their favorite Led Zeppelin song, <laughs> it is also my favorite Led Zeppelin song. Of course. Um, that's how thankful I am. Listen, I think we can all agree that Stairway to Heaven is Donald Trump's favorite Led Zeppelin song. <laughs> Uh-oh. Can we not? So I was trying to go the other way with it, and now you're you're backtracking. These two gentlemen, they know. They know. Okay. Our audience is too sophisticated yeah. to not, to think that... Stairway to Heaven is the best. Okay. What have we done? Uh, we're going a little hard at this. Anyway, thank you guys. We appreciate it. Listen, if you're on the fence about supporting the show financially, if you've been thinking, oh, I think I want to get on that on that train. <laughs> Don't let this conversation deter you. <laughs> <laughs> we would love to welcome you to the Patreon family and would appreciate it very much. It really does go a long way toward producing the show, producing our bonus content, helping out with me being able to do YouTube videos since YouTube is fucking taking out my legs as far as my monetization is concerned. Dicks. Anyway, we would love to have you on board. Thanks. We appreciate you guys so, so much. Dollamocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So the health care bill is donezo. The Republicans in Congress are in, uh, to say a state of shambles, I think, would not be being fair about just how catastrophic their leadership has been. They've rambled on and on for seven years about getting rid of Obamacare, which has its problems. We're going to be honest. Obamacare is not perfect. It has a lot of problems. But if something has problems, you don't just scrap it and start from scratch. You mend it. You upgrade it. You update it. You do what it takes to make it healthy again. Because at its core, it's a working system. They couldn't get the votes. Not just couldn't get the votes to pass their bill. They couldn't get the votes to move the bill to the floor to even vote on it. So Mitch McConnell, in his infinite wisdom, decided, all right, well, what we're going to do then is just repeal Obamacare like Donald Trump has been rambling and prattling on about. And then at a later date, what we'll do is come up with a solution and a replacement for it. Although this flies in the face of hundreds of moments where Donald Trump said, we'll repeal and replace the same day. It'll be so easy. Believe me. Believe me. He also knew the system so well that yeah. he was the only one that could get it That's right. done. The only one. 
who could fix it. It's Donald Trump because he is the Messiah, King Dunning-Kruger. Well, other senators have peeled off since then, and now they don't even have the votes to repeal. Total and complete shit show. Here is Donald Trump in the White House dodging and weaving and bobbing and jiving, trying to get out from under the failure that this has been. We've had a lot of victories, but we haven't had a victory on health care. Uh, we're disappointed. I am very disappointed because, again, even as a civilian, for seven years I've been hearing about health care. And I've been hearing about uh, repeal and replace. And Obamacare is a total disaster. Some states had over a 200% increase, a 200% increase in their premiums. And their deductibles are through the roof. It's an absolute disaster. And I think you'll also uh, agree that I've been saying for a long time, let Obamacare fail, and then everybody's going to have to come together and fix it. And... Uh, come up with a new plan and a plan that's really good for the people with much lower premiums, much lower costs, and much better protection. I've been saying that, Mike, I think you'll agree for a long time. Let Obamacare fail. It'll be a lot easier. And I think we're probably in that position where we'll just let Obamacare fail. Uh, we're not going to own it. I'm not going to own it. I can tell you the Republicans are not going to own it. We'll let Obamacare fail, and then the Democrats are going to come to us, and they're going to say, how do we fix it? How do we fix it? Or how do we come up with a new plan? It is unbelievable the, the manner with which this fucking idiot tries to rewrite history right after he said something different. He's now claiming, I've, I've been saying this for a long time, let Obamacare fail. He said the phrase, let Obamacare fail, maybe seven or eight times inside of that minute. Well, that's why he also <laughs> turned to Mike Pence and said, oh, he's he's heard me say it a lot too, right, Mike? Yeah. Hey, Mike, haven't I said it a lot? Why are you not nodding, Mike? Mike, <laughs> Mike. But seriously, he hasn't said, let Obamacare fail. He's been saying repeal and replace, repeal and replace. We got a great plan. It's going to be great. Not one, not, 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 no one is going to die in the streets. It's not going to be a problem because we've got a plan. We're going to repeal Ob Obamacare and then immediately, in one fell swoop, replace it with something better that's going to be cheaper. Remember his conversation with Leslie Stahl on 60 Minutes and the things that he said to her. Let me ask you about Obamacare. Uh, which you say you're going to repeal and replace. When you replace it, are you going to make sure that people with preconditions are still covered? Yes, because it happens to be one of the strongest assets. You're going to keep that. Also, with the children living with their parents for an extended period, we're going to. You're going to keep very that. much try and keep that. Adds cost, but it's very much something we're going to try and keep. And there's going to be a period, if you repeal it and before you replace it. When millions of people nope. could lose. We're going to do it simultaneously. It'll be just fine. That's what I do. I do a good job. You know, I mean, I know how to do this <laughs> stuff. We're going to repeal it and replace it. And we're not going to have like a two-day period. And we're not going to have a, a two-year period where there's nothing. It will be repealed and replaced. And we'll know. And it'll be great health care for much less money. So that was November 2016. So people change, you guys. Yeah. 
People change. Because he's been saying, let it die. Don't don't pay any attention to the man behind the curtain, Brittany Page. Yeah. Don't don't worry about what Donald Trump said then. Well, I'm also interested in how people like Sean Hannity and Jesse Waters and all the people who worship at the throne, yeah. how they perceive this, because this is not good, right? And Donald Trump said that he's not a, a politician. But isn't this what politicians do? He he is he is taking he is a quick study. That is exactly right. He has become that which he loathed, that which he made fun of on the campaign trail. Well, I guess I'm a politician now. Yeah, you're a fucking liar. You are well, first of all, to let it die, he, that might be a political victory for him. Where he think, oh, I beat the Democrats. I was able to blackmail them into groveling to me to make come up with some kind of solution. But what he's talking about when he talks about letting Obamacare die is letting tens of millions of Americans lose their coverage. There will be real world effects. Real human beings will very well lose their lives because of his astronomical ego and inability to lead his own majorities in both the House and the Senate. I think that's what's most notable about this is he's talking about it as though it's a win or a disappointment for him. Yeah. Well, no one cares what it is for you. You should be talking about how this is going to impact Americans. Yeah, absolutely. The people that you serve. It's an awesome point. And... Of course, he's doing what Donald Trump does and talking about himself. It's about him. Yeah. It's not about the families who are scraping to get by and still pay their premiums because they've got a kid doing chemo, doing rounds of chemo. It's about Donald Trump. It's not about the woman with breast cancer who's fighting for her life. It's about Donald Trump I'm not going to own this. I'm not going to own this. Republicans, we're not going to own this. You own this. God damn it. You own this. This is all you, Donald Trump. You've got majorities, a sizable majority in the House of Representatives. A majority, a slim majority, but a majority nonetheless in the Senate. And if you can't put a plan together after having bitched and complained for seven years. What were you doing during those seven years, Republicans, other than complaining? Because you certainly weren't coming up with a better plan. You were fucking playing politics. And th on this topic especially, this is not one to play politics with because you're playing politics with people's lives, with the lives of people's children, Families, loved ones. And now what we're going to see happen is Donald Trump, through sabotage, they're going to try to defund Obamacare and then also by not enforcing the individual mandate, the IRS is not going to, to enforce, which is going to 
take Obamacare out of the legs because you need healthy people in the insurance pool in order to bring down those premiums. It's just the physics of the economics, if you know what I mean. We'll keep following it, but uh, it might end up in the courts. He may have to be compelled to enforce the law because it doesn't seem like he or his overlord, Steve Bannon, want that at all. And they're willing to do whatever to make sure that Obamacare crumbles. All right. Well, next up, listen, this Russia thing is just, I mean, to say the drip, 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 um, it doesn't really do it justice. We're learning just hours ago that not only did Donald Trump have a formal sit-down with Vladimir Putin, he also had a second hour-long meeting with Vladimir Putin after a dinner at which the press was not. The press, they weren't invited. There were no cameras there. It was just the leaders and their spouses. And he met with Putin for an hour. The White House now says President Trump had a previously undisclosed second conversation with Russian President Vladimir Putin on July 7th, the day of their two-hour and 15-minute bilateral meeting in uh, Hamburg, Germany. Uh, the uh, National Security Council spokesman, Michael Anton, said they talked at the end of the dinner event, quote, there was a couple, there, there was a couple, oh, couples only social dinner at the G20 toward the end. The president spoke to Putin at the dinner. No staff or cabinet were at the dinner at all for any of the countries. Uh, we, we're only learning about this now. Wow. That, uh, do we know how long he met for? Does that, uh, I, yeah, you can see the picture from the uh, couples right. only dinner. You can see, uh, the president, uh, and President Putin and, and the two wives. Yes, and uh, we remember seeing those images of Melania Trump. The longest sitting next to, uh, Putin. Next to yeah. uh, Putin. But now the questions will be, well, what was discussed there? Because remember, uh, we got a readout initially from Rex Tillerson, the Secretary of State, out of the two-hour and 15-minute meeting. That readout didn't then quite match up with how President Trump described the meeting. He he later on described to reporters he made a couple of attempts at talking to Putin about the election meddling and uh, then realized he didn't want to get into a fistfight and wanted to move on to other topics. Well, what Tillerson first told us out of that first meeting was that it was a robust and lengthy portion of the meeting was about election meddling. I wonder if this follow-up meeting, if this was part of the added attempt by President Trump to discuss election meddling? I would imagine not, since he thought that was going nowhere. So it begs the question, what was the content of that? Well, Jackie, why are we just learning about this uh, exchange, this conversation now? I can't believe the White House would keep something like this <laughs> from us. I mean, any, any contact with Putin, you'd think, would be disclosed at this point because of all the speculation with Russia. But uh, this White House is not transparent, and this apparently is another example. And you have to keep wondering... Why are they putting themselves in this position? I mean, we have to give the other side here, which is, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is, uh, you caught me off guard. Donald Trump tweeting about this fake news story of secret dinner with Putin is quote sick. I don't know why it's in quotes. <laughs> is it capitalized too? No, it's not. Oh. <laughs> All G space 20 leaders and spouses were invited by the chancellor of Germany. Press new. The fake news is becoming more and more dishonest. Even a dinner arranged for the top 20 leaders in Germany is made to look sinister. Again, and I quote tweeted this. 
The dinner's not sinister, you idiot. What's sinister is withholding the information that you had this meeting with Vladimir Putin for an hour during dinner. So that's my question. And I don't think that this was mentioned in the reporting. I could be wrong. Who got this information? Who first reported this? Well, was it CNN? Uh, I don't know who first reported it, but I will. I do know this, that um, I believe there was chatter because other world leaders found it to be odd. Yes. People talk and then shit leaks out. Right. What's most alarming about this, we're kind of burying the lead, is Donald Trump was there. There were three people in the meeting. The little chat, the little pull aside. It was Donald Trump. Vladimir Putin and a Russian translator. Vladimir Putin's Russian translator. Mm-hmm. There wasn't an American translator there to be privy to the details. Right. So the only people who know are a couple of Russians and Donald Trump. That's fucking problematic if anything is problematic. And I'm hearing Phil Mudd former CIA analyst, maybe operative, on CNN. Oh, this is no big deal. It's no big deal. Yet, Yes, this is a big deal. Otherwise, why wouldn't they have said, hey, oh, by the way, not only did we have the meeting with Putin, the formal meeting with the Secretary of State and others, I also did a little pull aside at the dinner. I chatted him up too. But now we have no record, and we have to rely upon Donald Trump's word and even if we trusted his word, we'd have to rely upon his recollection of exactly what went down. We don't have that. Yeah. This is my bias speaking. I think it's well-founded bias. But something fucking smells here. Something went down. They talked about something nefarious. Maybe the the PP tape. Why why would he do this though? I'm I'm just I'm very confused. I think he is des this is my bias. This is me speaking absolutely opinion. Conjecture. I want to get that on the record. I really believe that he that that Vladimir Putin has something on Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And Donald Trump is desperate for whatever it is to not be revealed and needs to let Putin, no, in no uncertain terms, he has to butter him up and be loyal to him, even at risk of looking like he's being a dumbass. Huh. I don't know. I, I, there's, for me, there's no other explanation. Yeah, it's very confusing. When I heard about this, I thought, why would he do this? <laughs> it, it doesn't make any sense. With with all of the problems, with everything going on, why yeah. would you make it look worse? I mean, he's making more trouble for himself. He's causing more problems for himself. Well, he can't get away from the Russian news. Mm-hmm. A day doesn't go by without there being major. It's not just like drip, drip, little bit, little bit. It's, it's fucking manhole covers being dropped on his head day after day. And it's all of his own doing. All they had to do was reveal this meeting, and it would have been out there. We would have talked about it for a day, just like we did the actual meeting, and then it would have been done. Instead, we asked the question, 
Why was it secret? Why did he withhold the information? Why was the meeting not disclosed? So let's have a little thought experiment. Oh, I love thought experiments. Let's Isn't it a say, trolley? No. Let's say <laughs> that CNN gets a hold of the P-tape. Mm. And we wake up tomorrow and it's just playing on the TV. <laughs> Obviously, certain parts of it blurred and on mute. A lot of stream. <laughs> How would they blur the stream? I don't know. They like figure it out. Thin black bars. They're going to get the it on the TV if they get their <laughs> oh, hands you're on it. It's going right. to get on the TV. Yeah, it's it going to be playing in every airport. It's going to be everywhere. So if that happens, this is just a thought experiment. What will Trump supporters say? Will they say that that's fake news? That wow, like Anderson Cooper is acting in it or something? I feel unnaturally excited about that prospect. <laughs> like my heart beats a little faster. My yeah. palms got a little. You're sweaty. glowing. <laughs> yeah, you have the happiness Look, glow. I don't. I think the chances that there are that tape are worse than they are good. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't think that's a possibility, but it's it's like talking about winning the lottery. It's just fun to do. Well, what would you do with the money? What would you do if you saw the P tape? Well, <laughs> the underlying question being, what it, what is it going to take for Trump supporters yeah. to finally come around on this issue and start saying it's problematic? And I understand that that's difficult when you have Fox News telling you all day that it's fake news, except for when Shep Smith is on or Chris Wallace. Yeah. And that's that's hard, right? And then when Shep Smith is on, people are attacking him. You go to his Facebook page, read those comments. God damn. Pioneer Woman has seen nothing yet. Jesse D got, has nothing on Shep Smith. Yeah. Yes. Yikes. Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't the only Russia news this today. We also learned... Because, you know, the meeting with Donald Trump Jr. in Trump Tower with the purported Russian government lawyer that only was three people. It was only the lawyer and Jared Kushner, Paul Manafort, and Don Jr. That was it. And then we learned, oh, yeah, there were some other people there. Well, now we're learning there was eight people there. And it took this long, almost a week, to reveal the name of that eighth person. Ike Cavalaze appears to be just steps away from Donald Trump in this exclusive video from 2013, taken in Las Vegas on the eve of the Miss USA pageant. Cavalaze is in the light suit jacket, standing behind Russian pop star Emin Egalarov. Cavalaze's attorney now confirms to CNN that Cavalaze was at Trump Tower on June 9, 2016, the eighth person inside the meeting with Donald Trump Jr., Trump campaign chair Paul Manafort, and now White House senior advisor and Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner. Music publicist Rob Goldstone arranged the meeting at the request of the Agalarovs and sat in on it. Russian lawyer Natalia Veselnitskaya was there, along with Russian-American lobbyist Renat Akhmetchin, a translator named Anatoly Samachornov, and now it's been revealed Ike Kavaladze. Kavaladze is a naturalized American citizen who joined the Agalarov real estate development business in 2004. But in 2000, he was linked to U.S. bank accounts that came under congressional investigation in a possible billion-dollar money laundering scheme tied to Russian brokers. At the time, he claimed no wrongdoing and was never 
charged with a crime. He is senior vice president at Crocus Group, according to his LinkedIn page. The company is run by Azerbaijani Russian oligarch Aras Agalarov, the father of musician Emin, Emin let's get who featured you. Donald Trump in a 2013 music video. You're fired. The Agalarovs seemed to play a key role in arranging the June 2016 meeting, with publicist Rob Goldstone writing in a June 3, 2016 email, This is obviously very high-level and sensitive information, but is part of Russia and its government support for Mr. Trump, helped along by Aras and Emin. Kavaladze's lawyer insists he's never had any engagement with the Russian government in any capacity. Kavaladze attended the meeting under the impression that he would be Russian lawyer Natalia Veselnitskaya's translator because she didn't speak English, according to his attorney. But then Kavaladze realized Veselnitskaya had her own translator. Now, special counsel Robert Mueller's investigators want to talk to Kavaladze as part of his ongoing probe into Russian interference with the U.S. election. The White House is watching all of this unfold. Staffers there are concerned Kushner's involvement in the June 2016 meeting may make it difficult for Kushner to receive final security clearance. But a source close to Kushner says he has now had two interviews with the FBI about his security clearance, and his legal team sees no reason it would be denied since he has updated all of his forms to include this June 2016 meeting. Kushner attorney Jamie Gorelick saying... Mr. Kushner has tried to be fully transparent and responsive in the background investigations process. We have heard no expression of concern from the FBI, and I think we would know if there were such concerns at this time. Fully transparent and responsive. That's why this particular meeting was left off the hundred names that you added on your addendum to the SF-86. That's a goddamn joke is what that is. Jared Kushner should not have a security clearance at this point. Even Republicans are starting to say that. It's pro- it's a problem mm-hmm. that he's so cavalier with a very serious matter. Now, going to this Cavaladze guy, this guy was under federal scrutiny early in the 2000s for creating shell companies through which hundreds of millions of dollars could be laundered through. Sounds a lot like the business that the Katzifs were in. If you remember from last episode, Dennis and Peter Katzif of Prevazon, who some of the Magnitsky money was funneled through, who Natalia Veselnitskaya is their family lawyer. Tangled fucking web. All of these people are players in this money laundering scheme. And the branches wrap around the Trump family. That is right. They run all up inside there. Deep up inside there, Brittany. Oh, yeah. Well, and this is problematic <laughs> because if Jared Kushner shouldn't have a security clearance. Hey, are, you, are you guys talking about me? Ivanka Trump Jared shouldn't Kushner be here. working in the White House. They're married. No, that's so right. really the expectation is that she's not going to talk to him about whatever's going on. That he's not going to talk to her about whatever's going on. Please. Well, clearly they don't have integrity. We've seen that. We've They've demonstrated that. We can't trust them to do that, but there's no workaround. We need Donald Trump out of the White House. That's the workaround. That's it. The other thing that's happening relative to Russia is Roger Stone. Oh, God. The maniac Roger Stone. Apparently, the House Intelligence Committee has decided to postpone 
his appearance before them Mm -hmm. because of document gathering. Adam Schiff says, well, you know, in the course of an investigation, we want certain documents before we get others. We want certain testimony before we get others. So we're going to postpone him coming. Well, he took to the airwaves. He took to Alex Jones' show, acting like a maniac. But he went on with Michael Caputo in Buffalo on a radio show. Michael Caputo was also a Trump aide who also testified before the committee just the other day. And Roger Stone leveled all kinds of asinine threats. I think, in a way, to try to create a a narrative around why he was put off from testifying. He's making it seem like the Democrats are afraid of him. And... Just listen. It is the the craziest goddamn thing. And if you know Roger Stone, this is par for the course. I'll tell you. I want to ask you, Roger. I know you're spending time sharpening your pencil and making uh, and writing an opening statement and a closing statement that's going to be rapier sharp and and really. I think you're probably going to cut them all up in your opening statement and rub salt into it in your closing statement. Can you give us a preview of what you're going to tell the committee? Because I'm in the middle of writing mine. Well, Mike, all I have done is to go back and take the actual words of the members of the committee as uttered in their public session. Let me give you an example. Congresswoman Spire from California. Stone is on the Kremlin payroll. Okay, Mm -hmm. Congresswoman, you have two choices. Apologize, or I'll see you in U.S. District Court in California. You see, con- members of Congress can be sued when they say things uh, outside the floor. She said that on television, and therefore I will be suing her for seventy-five. Oh, would you please do that? Oh, please do that. She it, she needs a lawsuit. Every one of these people. I mean, I mean, have you seen this guy Eric Swalwell, the lightweight mannequin pretty boy from California? This guy has said seven or eight things about me that are false. Now, I don't think he's got the cojones to come face me on the 24th. Yeah, isn't that the truth, Roger? I think he's a yellow-bellied coward. I don't think he'll show, but if he does show, he will regret it for the rest of his life because he has to be held accountable for the uh, inaccurate and defamatory things she she has said. And then after the hearing, I'll see him in court. Right. Roger, and isn't that the truth? The, the They don't have to attend this hearing. There are no cameras, so they don't really have a motivation to. Most of these, uh, mo- many members of Congress, Congress, not most, but many are there just for the sound bites. You're, you're, you know, they have 25 plus members of this committee. How many do you expect in your closed hearing? Two? Uh, there will be two. So we know who the Republicans are. They are Trey Gowdy and Tom Rooney. They've been designated. The Democrats have yet to designate anybody. I think we know why. Nobody wants to do this. Right. Everybody is saying, no, no, you do it. No, maybe you should do it. Uh, because nobody wants to be held accountable for what they said, telling people I'm on the Kremlin payroll or that we, we want to know about Stone's ties to Russia. Simple. None. Whatsoever. Right. Never been to Russia. Don't know anybody in Russia. Never did any business in Russia. I remember. You who don't, those of you who don't understand geography. Ukraine and Russia are two different countries. I know that's tough for Maxine Waters to get her brain around. <laughs> and by the way, the James Brown Foundation wants their wig back. <laughs> uh, the you know the, this to say, oh, you worked in Ukraine, yes, for a U.S. recognized 
Democratic political party in a U.S.-recognized election, the result of which was certified by the United States. What's your problem? Right. So he is a grandstander. He is trying to be a bigger character than he is as far as his bravado is concerned. He's the one who admitted to having contact with Guccifer 2.0, the Russian hacker. He's the one who predicted, like he's some kind of fucking clairvoyant, he psychically predicted that Podesta's emails were going to contain dirt and be released. How did he know that? That's a wild stab in the dark, for if it's just a guess. It is funny because he brags about that too. He really he is he's a he's a, a fucking a circus performer. He's a he's a ringmaster. And he's going to create a circus atmosphere even if it is behind closed doors. He's going to act like an asshole just like he's doing here on this radio show. Or maybe he'll be more demure and quiet because he fucking has to otherwise he'll face the wrath of Congress. Because even Republicans aren't going to put up with this kind of bullshit. This not taking the system seriously. Because then, even though it would be a shit show, sideshow, we would get to see. Mm -hmm. And when things are public, congressmen and congresswomen get to play it up for the cameras a little bit. Just the natural, that's the way it works. Yeah. And they'd get out him. Publicly. Not the case, though. All right. It's the asshole of today. Saudi Arabia. What have they done this time? Well, they arrested a woman because she wore a miniskirt and a crop top. Of course they did. Exposing her legs and midriff in violation of the country's strict dress code for women. The country's dress code for women. Correct. Yeah. So she posted this video and (laughs) the Committee for the Promotion of Virtue and the Prevention of Vice went on Twitter and said that it had, quote, intercepted a clip of a girl in inappropriate clothing and had opened an investigation with the relevant authorities. Well, she's been arrested. Wow. They found her. Is she a Saudi national, or what's the, what's the deal? Yes. Wow. So she probably faces some serious punishment. I'm not sure what the punishment would be, but Twitter has been discussing this. And someone, as Twitter does, someone tweeted, quote, she shouldn't be out in a conservative country looking like this. She should respect the laws or her destiny will be known. Wow. What a dick. So whatever that means. Listen, this is what gets me fired up about religion. Religion with a small R. When you have fundamentalist faiths like this. Islam, in this case, they want to live in the 7th century where women have to be covered in hefty bags. That's a problem. Look, I've said this before. 
But if you believe that there is a God who created the entire universe, seen and unseen, why in the fuck would that God give a goddamn whether or not a woman has her head covered? Whether or not a woman has the proper length of skirt? When that God's business is creating the universe. It just does not make any sense to me. So she's supposed to be wearing a black garment that covers everything but the face, feet, and hands. And they also have to keep their heads covered, can't drive, or socialize with men uh, who are not related to them. And then they also have to go out with a guardian. Right. So and they she have, said, to have permission yeah. by a male authority figure to leave the house or get a job or anything else. So it's being reported that she was out with her legal guardian. So she wasn't breaking another law. Right. But I know weather isn't the primary concern here, but let's talk about it because it's like 113 degrees in this city. Yeah. And they want the women to walk around in a black cloak. That's hot. Disgusting. It's extremely hot. Right. I had to wear a black graduation gown. For an hour. You almost died. Sitting in the sun. <laughs> Seriously. It was like 80 degrees. It was your most miserable moment. I, I came think. out of there looking like a wet mop. It was disgusting. <laughs> it was one of the worst experiences of my life. You were like one life. of those show poodles. <laughs> like somebody tweeted a picture at me during this whole Ann Coulter. That's who should have been asshole today, by the way. Yeah. And this Ann Coulter Delta Air- airline flight thing. And mm-hmm. someone tweeted a picture to me of one of those poodles, those long hair poodles or... Some kind of dog with long blonde hair. Yeah. And uh, you would look like that dog mm-hmm. if it was hosed down. Yes. That's what you look like. Exactly. <laughs> Very nice. Thank you for that. And you look like you had headphones on listening to Stairway to Heaven. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I know the weather's not the primary concern. The um, But it is a concern. It's a human concern. oppression of women is the main concern. It's also concerning that people reacted supporting Saudi Arabia and telling her via Twitter. It's her fault. That she needs to respect the law. No. Right. Just like the blacks during the civil rights era, they should have respected the law too. Just go home and eat your dinner. Yeah. You don't need to sit at that lunch counter. Yeah. It's oppression. And... If someone were to ask me what's the most recent thing that I've changed my mind about, it's actually that auto kid from North Korea. Warm Um, beer. Yeah, because when we first talked about him, I think I took a shitty approach and said that he shouldn't have been stealing the poster. And that was very dumb of me because I took North Korea's word for it that he stole a poster, number one. I think I took that same position. Number two... He was held for stealing a poster and tortured and killed for stealing a poster. Right. Also, the video that North Korea provided could have been a giant dick with legs. It was so blurry and grainy and bullshit. Yeah. You have no idea who it was. So what I'm saying is just because a country has a law doesn't mean that it should be followed. These are unjust laws that should not exist in oppressive regimes. And I, I theocratic in this. Case. I don't understand these defenses. It's it's disgusting. It is disgusting. All right, asshole of today, everybody. Saudi Arabia, maybe asshole of today every day. 
We love you guys. We appreciate you. Thank you for allowing us into your ears and into your lives twice a week or however often you listen to us. We appreciate you guys. Listen, if you've been on the fence and you're ready to pull the trigger, join the Patreon and PayPal family. We would love to have you. Go to dollamore.com on the left-hand side of the page. There's a link that says support the show. There you'll find the the little clickety-clacks, the little links to follow to do so. We appreciate you. We love you. We'll see you when we get back from vacation. Hopefully, we'll be well-rested, ready to go. We will still be on Twitter. We will still be on the Facebook page. So uh, reach out. See how we're doing. Chat with us. Connect with us. It's going to be a good time. We love you guys. Thank you. Until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this has been... I doubt it. So it's like a person that tells you how much you they love Led Zeppelin, and then you ask them, oh, yeah, what's your favorite Led Zeppelin song? And they say, Stairway, Stairway to, to Heaven. heaven. <laughs> is that kind of what you... Is that what you mean? 